0: Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions, and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. <laughs> John McNeil, thank you for joining me again today for the second part of our chat, this time focusing on stylistic spices, including something which a lot of singers want to be able to master, and that is riffing. So firstly, what does the word style mean to you? Thanks
1: for asking this. And I love that we're we're chatting about this, Alexa. Great to be back as well. I really love style. And I think it's one of those really neglected parts of a lot of vocal coaching. Um, and style really is the things that give identity uh, and energy and um and kind of a sense of flair to any vocal performance. It is it is in every vocal performance. Um, sometimes it might be well informed of the genre. It might be um, really poorly informed of the genre in some cases, um, but it, it really gives you uh, a sound that is discernible and is distinguishable from others. And I think once you've kind of captured what is possible with style, you can really create very effective, moments of engagement in your vocal performances uh so yeah as far as the kind of details of it I think that can include ornamentation which is probably a we you probably use more in the classical world ornamentation If we think of an ornament you adorn a mantelpiece with a with an ornament I have no mantelpieces in my home <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know it's all about decoration so those can be turns and formants and abordance and trills and vibrato those probably all come under the the kind of ornamentation kind of umbrella then you have these different onsets that we can explore from breathy to balanced and glottal and everything in between um, and using those really liberally even in the one phrase can just be so great for creating shape dynamics we can never forget about dynamics light and shade, texture. We've got um, licks and runs and riffs and agility, melisma, if you want to call them that. There's so many different names. All of these things, I think, come together with the application of, I have to say, musical wisdom. That's what we all need, musicality, to know what to put where and what not to put where as well, to create your sense of style.
0: Can you just dive into that a little bit more? Like, how do we know when something is going to work somewhere and where it's not really going to serve us?
1: probably the most important question we could ever ask about style. And one of the things I guess I work with a lot of artists and singers with is a misapplication, I would call it, if that could be so audacious, a misapplication of style, um, where people are overusing a particular thing. And I think really in music, we're often thinking about balance. How much is enough? How much is too much? For some people, for instance, it might be vibrato. You might have some people who are wall-to-wall vibrato. Now, that can be appropriate in some instances and really inappropriate in others. Um, There's also trends to do with vibrato. You know, we're in an age where vibrato is used much more sparsely, um, but when it is used, it is kind of quite intentional. You look at, you know, The Carpenters or Freddie Mercury or whatever, you know, there was huge amounts of vibrato in used in that kind of um, style. And now you look at modern stuff and sometimes you can get a whole section sung with complete straight tone. So how do we, you know, if the question is, how do we know when to, to use it? I think it comes from immersion uh, in music. And this very much comes from my jazz discipline, my jazz background, because the way we learn to improvise is by transcribing solo after solo after solo of music that had come before us. So, you know, you wouldn't really be recognised for your improvisation until you kind of learn transcribed and sung, you know, maybe hundreds of solos. Um, And it's that immersion in Miles Davis and Lester Young and Dexter Gordon and John Coltrane and all these amazing um, people that had come before you and seeing what they did and seeing how they shaped all these greats, how they shaped their phrases and how they built dynamics and how they came up with new melodic ideas and where they went to kind of um, instigate surprise and interest and engagement um, that then when you went to bring your own voice to the table, it was yes informed by these former artists, these greats that were in your vocabulary, but it, you could bring your own vocabulary out through that. And vocabulary is huge when it comes to musical creation. You need to have things to say. You know, you need to have a language to say them before you have things to say. And so I think this is where I'm very big on for a singer who's starting out in this. I used to kind of teach a lot of degree-level contemporary singers the way we'd start the process of of, of learning style is by listening to those who come before us, you know, listen to, you might be listening to something a bit more vintage, listen to a, you know, like I say, Karen Carpenter or Whitney Houston or a David Bowie and listen to what they do. But then, you know, my world is very much in current music. You know, I, I work in pop and very, very passionate about, you know, kind of new waves in, in current pop. And so I'd go to the new flavors that are coming out to the Doja Cats, to, Pink Panthers to Bella, to, you know, No Guidance, you know, coming out with their amazing new group recently. And but all the kind of fresh new sounds that are coming out, Scissor, you know, game changers that are doing things, Soul large, people who are doing things that we're hearing for the first time and listen to what they're doing, going, oh, my gosh, look how obnoxiously they are not using any vibrato for that whole section. Or look at how they've got it loads in that moment. Um, or listen to that little bit of crack or flip or and then after that from there you kind of start to add vocabulary to those things you know I I've got loads of vocabulary that I apply to all these kinds of things how to use a a yodel flip or a register flip or a you know cry flip or whatever you want to call it you know these are words are you know always going to be metaphors for something but you know we purpose them as we need to but you know these come from widely used vocal terminologies so we can talk about that we can talk about them as onsets we can talk about them as offsets we can talk about how we can apply you know different types of tone maybe things like creak or a little bit of you know distortion or rasp in a tone how to how to apply even emotion to that sound if i if i if i say hi and if i say hi you know those are two different emotions coming through those particular sounds. And my voice my voice changes with the application of those emotions. And style can be kind of applied through that measure as well. So so it becomes, I, I guess a matter of first anal- being being analytical, working out what is there being almost like a bit of a forensic scientist, taking everything apart and working out how they did that. How did Doja Cat make me feel that way? How does that phrase sound so sexy or so aggressive or so angry or so, you know, biting or um, you know, annoyed or you know gives no fucks, you know, whatever it might be, you know, how 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 did they do that with vocal sound? And once you've got those tools, you can then go in and and start to use them yourself.
0: Does the emotion facilitate the sound or does the sound facilitate the emotion? Or does it even have to have an order?
1: So I think both can be very true. So one of the things I have found myself getting more and more aware of in the last probably five, six years of my kind of work as more a vocal producer is that a lot of the time I'm coaching artists as to how to how to sing their own songs. Um, And they, they, which is a really strange thing to say, because you'd think because they wrote it, they must be an expert on the topic. (laughs) And I started to quickly realise that a lot of these artists have no idea what they're singing when they're singing these songs. You know, this might have been something that they'd written three years ago. Maybe that breakup is long gone, and they've moved on to the next one. You know, maybe the maybe the the situation has become really irrelevant to them, and so they're singing sometimes really angry or really upset words or whatever. And you're like, oh, I don't think you know what you're singing at all. You know, I don't think you're engaging with this topic at all. And so once you start to put the spotlight on, always like remind them from. I always try to be be a bit of of a consumer, I try to let myself be affected as a vocal coach, because then it allows me to work out what an audience needs. Um, And and so once they, once you show them those kinds of things, that's helpful for one. So you kind of put the focus on what the song is about. These performances need to be all about expressing what it is to be human, the human experience. But beyond that, I think um, I started to realise that when I shaped a song myself, so I said, all right, how about we, this first verse that you're singing really brazen and clear and disaffected, how about we make it just on the tiniest, tiniest little bit of your voice, just so you just getting some core closure, just so you're just phonating um, and to see what that does. And, and then they start and they get loud, they get too loud again and you're like, no, come back, come back, come back. And this is me interpreting or adding my interpretation to the song. And then after a while, they start to click and you see them getting emotional about the, the. it almost gives a fresh coat of paint to that moment. They go, I, I'm, I'm, I really know where I was there. Now I've been able to strip back my kind of pre-done vocal treatment there, my kind of prefabricated or, you know, preset sound. And I've actually applied a treatment to that moment that is outside of what I would have just done. I'm actually realising what the song was about and the emotion then floods in. So I think it can be a bit of reverse engineering as well. Um, and it's about the individual, but I think it just needs to be a priority whichever way you do it. Um, it needs to be important. And I think my one of my strengths as a vocal coach is that I get bored really easily. So if I'm bored, I I immediately question why. If someone's singing and I'm drifting away and I'm thinking about dinner, then they're not doing the job properly. And then we can then start to plug up those holes. And because I I just, I'm, I'm in music because I, I'm a feeler, I'm a sensitive person. I love to be arrested, have my soul arrested. I love to be engaged. I love to be kind of, Tortured and fl- thrown about by that performance. I want to be there and invested and I want to dance, I want to sing, I want to cry, I want to you know, take to the streets, I want to be affected. And so that's what I want from the performances that I coach. Um, and so this is where we then apply style liberally and we kind of go, all right, how can we say that better? Actually, if we put a you know, cry offset, the end of that maybe that little flip at the end is just going to make it feel a bit more vulnerable and it makes him feel less kind of ostentatious or arrogant and takes a bit of that away and puts a bit of that in and you know and now we've got enough of that let's take that one away because it's a bit over egged and you know that's taking it to a different genre how about we just You know, instead of, like, for instance, an R&B turn might be different to a country turn. So a turn in country might be going up a whole tone. Oh, yeah, so you're going up a tone. Um, And R&B might be a semitone. Yeah, yeah, up a semitone. So yeah, R&B, yeah, country. And you can hear the difference with the small changes like that um so it's just kind of working out what you want to do even genre specific and speaking that language as well
0: mm. and using in your own words in your language and definition what is a lick riff and a run and are there differences between the three
1: Essentially, you could say yes and you could say no to the differences. Um, I think again, these are these are words we've tried to, to use just to capture something that that happens. I um I end up being a little bit more detailed about how we use those just to kind of classify them, especially for singers that um do um uh, you, you know, they I get a few singers that come only for that. Um they just want to get really matched fit with that kind of stuff. Um I I think when we're talking about any of those particular terminologies, we're talking about agile um, singing across a variety of notes um, uh, with a legato execution, so a smoothly connected execution. uh, i guess by definition you're not applying consonants through those as well so me saying yeah 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 yeah," i probably wouldn't consider a lick but yeah yeah, yeah," would be more of what i would consider um kind of a a lick or in classical terminology you call it a melisma although it's not a very classical thing i just did um but you know of course these things there's nothing new under the sun we saw all these things happening and you know the water music by handle you know sort of thing these things are that just applications new applications of an old trick but yeah i think i think where it does get exciting and where my terminologies i probably call them runs a run of notes um but it doesn't really matter what i you know i could happily call them a riff riffs i don't tend to love that terminology because it really is um uh tends to be a more kind of ostinato kind of thing like a repeating motif so guitar you know part in a pop band would typically play a riff it'd be a repeating motif that just kind of continue on so I think that's probably the most confusing of the lot um and probably could just be left alone we've got plenty of other words um um, but yeah, but then I, I sometimes call things like a combination run. So that is like maybe a several, when you've got several different sections of that run. And it's really helpful to learn anything really in sections in music. But um, So if I sing, uh, yeah, could be one, one bit. And then I can sing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then third one so just dividing that up so i'd probably call that a combination <yu caminho> and you've got those kind of three chunks you learn them separately and then sew them up together um so that those are those are quite nice and they can be a little bit more flashy you know um, in contemporary music they tend to be you know based on major and minor pentatonics sometimes i think we overegg it and we try to talk about every single different type of scale that's possible, um, but really you shouldn't be playing around with any other scale before you've mastered those two. Um, and most licks you'll ever find in pop music will be based on the minor and major pentatonic. And it's because the, the possibilities are enormous. It's not because those are limiting scales, it's because they can do so many things. Um, they work really well with diatonic music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and yeah it, it kind of works well in the pop music world if you want to kind of get into the more jazzy world you can look into things like Layla hathaway and Yeber, and you know they bring kind of contemporary flavors to jazz styling um you know they're, they're they're great but start with the basics and things like you know three yeah yeah just it can be really for for some people, that would be enough, getting note definition, getting clarity out of those three notes, Um, making sure you can do it with a scoop and without a scoop. Yeah, that's with a scoop. Yeah. And without a scoop, you know, those kinds of things. Um, It's about getting airflow. And of course, all the technical principles really continue through as well. Lovely loose jaw, a loose tongue. Airflow, you know, not having any tightness or tension in the tummy or face, or um, looking at your posture or your dynamic kind of um, alignment, making sure that you're, you know, uh, applying good core deduction, all those kinds of things. If those things are working well, licks and runs and riffs are going to come much easier. And I think if you're battling with any of those other things, that come much more difficult. But then you've got the area of hypermobility and all that kind of stuff. And you, I know some people who can do some things far faster than i could ever dream of and it's just because they've got a predisposition as well Um, so kind of stepping into your own potential there as well
0: what would be your number one tip for helping a singer improve agility to be able to do some of these things outside of those technical elements you just mentioned there
1: first you've got to analyze what's actually happening so breaking them down which is great for your oral perception your oral skills working out what's happening in that lick so counting out the notes and natalie weiss is really great at applying numbers and and directions and little kind of learning quips to those kinds of things which is great and she's kind of influenced a lot of the way we all teach licks now i think and i think she she gives ways to people who maybe aren't maybe as musically trained to really break them down she calls them breaking down the riffs doesn't she so so it gives you kind of access to analyzing them in a really easy way a much simpler way then it's a very boring answer but slow practice you cannot get past it and uh, as we're often saying in music master the basics if you're getting that lick down to a slow tempo make sure you've got beautiful kind of balanced phonation through it make sure your intonation is absolutely perfect make sure you're kind of really aware of what you're hearing and feeling during that time as well are you adding a little bit more jaw tension are you losing your alignment are you kind of adding your tongue tension to that in some way you know that awareness that kind of somatic awareness is so crucial and then take it up up uh, a little bit faster and i would do all of that using a metronome i know it's boring but it has to be done and that's where the discipline really gets kicked in get those links on click so you really make sure That you're developing um, a discipline and agility, and the body's amazing at muscle memory. And once all that kind of heavy lifting's been done with one lick, the next one is easier. You can attempt something more difficult, and before you know it, you're doing really ambitious stuff. But it's just not forgetting that you need to kind of start with some basics: crawl before you walk, walk before you run, and that will that will get you there. Some patience is needed, and annoyingly, some people can do them much easier than others just that, that every body is different. So you've got to appreciate that. But I'm all about the hair of the tortoise. I feel like this music industry is made up of more tortoises than they are of hares. I think it's lots of talented people fall asleep on the road. And um, it's those who are slow and steady and consistent that really end up kind of going far.
0: Wonderful. Oh, I don't know. I wish I had a whole year to chat with you. I really, really do. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying the chat. Thank you for asking your amazing questions. Thank you for for last week talking to us about TV and TV vocal coaching and for today chatting about style and um, ways for us to improve our agility. Johnny McNeil, can you just tell us where we can follow you and get in touch when we want to?
1: Yeah, of course. I love to hear from anyone. Um, so my Instagram is probably my main social media forum, um, which is uh, Instagram.com. Slash John O McNeil, uh, and then my website um, has lots of information, lots of resources uh, on that. So I'd love to have you visit there and also a contact form, um, and that is John O McNeil Ed.com. Ed, John O McNeil ed,
0: Amazing. John o. McNeil, everybody.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Alexa. It's been such a pleasure. Always love to come and see a t- uh, wonderful, vast. You guys are great. Really, honestly, doing amazing things.
0: If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click Write a Review.